Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. Isn't it great to be in church? We can have a little bit of fun and hopefully no one got injured with a flying chocolate. I did have the workplace health and safety guys looking at me going, don't do that, Pastor Sean, don't do that. In a couple of weeks' time, we spoke about compassion coming. Uh, We've actually got the absolute privilege of Pastor Noel, who is the CEO of Compassion Philippines, is going to be here. I had the privilege of doing a tour with him uh, this time... uh, about 18 months ago. He is an outstanding guy. So uh, I really encourage you to come along in a couple of weeks' time. If you don't know anything about Compassion, uh, then come along and hear what some of the amazing work they're doing, especially around the Philippines, or across the world, but around the Philippines. Um, I want to uh, reiterate, uh, the great, uh, re- reiterate the welcome to everybody. And doesn't Claire do an awesome job when she's up here? Um, I would like to, in particular, uh, we have uh, a number of senators here today who were at an African uh, celebration function yesterday. I think they're over there somewhere. Are they past innocent? Somewhere over there. Um, you are most welcome to be here from Adelaide, is that correct? Great to have you. Please stand up. Yeah. Great to have you in the house. And thank you for everything you're doing across the nation with the African community and in politics. We pray for our leaders regularly uh, because we, we understand the incredible job you guys do. So thank you so much for being with us today. We are in a series called This is Important to Us, where we've been looking at what we value as a church fellowship. And last week we looked at miracles, which is often a very confronting um, issue to try and embrace. And today we are going to look at prayer, which is possibly one of the most important yet universally intriguing parts of our faith journey. It was reported that a doctoral student once stood up at Princeton University in a forum, and he asked Albert Einstein, who was visiting, and he said, what is there left in the world to research? To which Albert Einstein stopped for a moment and then said, prayer. Somebody must find out more about prayer. Prayer in its simplest form speaks to a basic human need of trying to find relationship or for, or for some a meaning in life. You've only got to look at uh, when there is world tragedies that occur, you know, whether it would be uh, in Paris or whether it was being in Las Vegas over the last few years or when there is significant world tragedies occur, you've only got to look at the social media and, and all of a sudden there is tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of people putting praying emojis up or praying for Paris or, or whatever it might be. I just wish all of those people were in church on a Sunday. You see, it's a universal language that we use, but maybe we never really embrace or never really understand. And I would claim that every faith, even those who claim to have no faith, will engage in some form of prayer. 
Remote tribes used to present offerings and then pray for every, everyday things such as food and health and, and shelter and even rain and victory in battle. It was reported that the Aztecs offered up human sacrifices and they prayed to the gods for protection. The modern-day Muslims will stop whatever they're doing and they'll complete what they call the Salat, which is, which is five times a day. They will pray. And I want to encourage that as I, as I go through today, that no matter whether you and Jesus are on speaking terms or not, that you just take note for the next 25 minutes. Because my prayer is that God will work through the words I say to help break open an understanding of prayer in your life. I am going to teach a little bit today. Uh, for those who are regular here or who watch online, I normally preach. Uh, I normally prance around the stage a little bit. So I'm going to try and uh, stay, stay in a one spot. I'm going to try and teach um, a little bit today. And the thing about teaching, though, is that uh, I had this, this understanding of, of all my teachers, when they stood at the front, I used to think to myself, well, they knew everything about what they were talking about. They generally didn't. So I'm going to start by sharing a little bit of my own prayer life. I am at times a mighty prayer warrior and yet also a prayer avoider. I often pray with a laser-like focus Yet at other times, I'm so distracted that I forgot what I'm actually praying for. I can be an articulate prayer and a babbling fool in the same prayer. I can be fully alert and yet asleep before I even say, Dear God. I've had times when I've rolled out a shopping list longer than the Dead Sea Scrolls and other times when I've sat in silence almost daring for God to speak first. I've prayed laughing, and at other times I've sobbed so much that I didn't say a word. I pray in tongues. I journal my prayers in words. I pray in song. I pray in silent. And at times I'm even challenged to pray at all. You see, prayer in its simplest form should be, should be easy, yet even the disciples struggled. In Matthew 26, there's a passage there where we read where, where Jesus deliberately seeks a quiet place to go and pray. He's troubled and he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane and he, and he seeks his place where he wants to pray. And he takes his disciples with him. And he actually says to them, watch out and pray. And yet on three occasions he returns and he finds them asleep. You see, prayer can be uplifting, and at the same time, we can run away from it. We can speak to God like he is our best friend, and at other times, it's kind of like trying to engage with the metro bus driver. Nothing wrong with the metro bus drivers. Yet from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, where God communicated with Adam and said, you need someone to do life with, we were designed for relationship. And we were designed for relationship with our Creator. It's not like it was, I've designed you, I've put you on a shelf for someone else to buy. It was designed as a relationship where it was an ongoing thing. 
In fact, in Matthew 22, 36 to 37, we read where, where Jesus is telling the disciples that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He wants relationship with us. Yet we can't fulfill that if we're not even talking to him. You can't have relationship if you're refusing to talk. Jesus reiterated this in Luke 10, 38 to 42, where we read the story where, where Jesus enters the home of Mary and Martha and reminds them that, that, that actions are good, but not when it is at the expense of spending time with him. I've spoken on this passage before, and I, and I focused on the fact that Martha was not a bad person. But it was that she got distracted, and therefore she got pulled away from spending time with Jesus. And this can be said for the church as well. We can be so busy doing that we can get distracted from being with God. And I, I have to, as, as lead pastor, I have to check myself all the time. Are we so distracted in doing that we've forgotten to being? You see, spending time with our Father in heaven is important to us. On our website and, and in different areas, we have a statement that we say that we want to be known as a church where our culture of prayer is unmistakable. And it's not just something that we say, it's something that we do. We start every meeting in prayer. Midweek, we start every meeting in prayer. We often stop and pray in the middle of meetings. We have church-wide prayer meetings. We had three this week. We pray before the service. The youth team pray. The kids' ministry team pray. The worship team prays. We have an intercessory prayer team that prays for us. We pray during services. We pray outside of services. We pray in connection points. We pray on the lawn. Why? Because as I said earlier, prayer is about being in a relationship with our Father in heaven. Prayer is a huge topic, and I subscribe to the uh, understanding that that it is better lived than learnt. That being said, I want to use a methodology or a formula this morning that I've adopted from a guy called Miles McPherson. Uh, you know, I'd love to say I developed it myself, but there are so many things out there. And as a great Tim Ross said, there is no copyright on the Word of God. At the end of each section, I'm going to leave you with a challenge. First one is this, and excuse my writing. Admire. Admire. Miles McPherson says this, Before you pray for anything on earth, you need to connect to the courtrooms of heaven. So before we go barging on the courtrooms of heaven with a shopping list of our wants, let's take time to engage and connect in the relationship. And the best way to do that is with thanksgiving and praise. It was King David who said this in Psalm 100, verses 4 to 5. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. 
go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness will continue through all, the, all generations. Without being irreverent, I reckon God's favorite love language would be words of affirmation. Yes, yeah, sometimes I kind of feel like we feel like we're, we're Romeo standing at the bottom of the tower, you know, sort of crying up there, not really knowing what to say and just hoping Juliet puts her, you know, her, did she have the hair? Is that the wrong one? Don't worry about that one. You know what I meant. Didn't Romeo stand at the bottom of a tower? Didn't Juliet stand at the top? Yeah, but she just didn't have long hair. Oh. Sometimes I kind of feel like it's Sean standing at the bottom of the tower and Morella drops her hair out and it's like... <laughs> See, I should just preach and not teach. One of the best ways that I find that we can be or that we can admire... So we're starting about prayer. When you enter your prayer day, one of the first things that I believe we can do is admire or worship our Heavenly Father. It is no coincidence that we start the services with worship. We don't do that because it's a great way for people to become late to get in the door and find a chair or anything like that. We do that because we want to enter His time, His service, and we want to give thanks to Him. We want to praise His name. We want to say, God, we worship you. We, I can stand up here all you like, but we want to say thank you, God, for what you have done. So when we start our prayer each and every day, start with admiring God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And you know what? In your situation, you may not be able to say all of these, but thank you, God, for my wife or my husband, or my children, or my health, or my finances, or my job. Thank you, God, for my friends. Thank you for the person who looked out for me. Thank you that I was kept safe on the roads today. Worship aligns or connects our heart to His. It provides an avenue to give thanks. Worship kind of like creates a helipad for the presence of God to land. When I used to come in as a flight medic, when you were coming in with a critically ill patient, there was nothing better than looking out the window and seeing the giant H of the helipad. It was kind of like this, this oh, thank you, I'm going to be there. I can, and, and it's kind of, a, I think God is, is looking for that, that connection here where he can land his presence of God. And the best way to do it is to open our hearts and to worship him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, and I'm going to use this verse, this passage a number of times. It says, Rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Samuel Juth says this, Prayers of admiration, prayers of worship, prayers of thanks do two things. They create an atmosphere to connect with God and they build a platform where you can go to war for God. My challenge for this first part is be deliberate and take time to give thanks. 
The second one is what I call wait. Wait. This is the awkward ones. Because after you've given thanks, it's about waiting on God. And we are such a society that we can't even look at eight-second Instagrams anymore. But I believe after we give thanks to God, it's time for Him to actually say, well, hang on, I want to speak to you. You see, I also call these wait prayers the Elijah prayers. Because in 1 Kings 19, we read this. It said, God is trying to get the attention of the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a good man. Elijah was doing some good things. And he said, go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Then it says this, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. That's when Elijah heard it. You see, we're so busy dealing with the earthquakes and the storms and the broken rocks in our life. Do you know the majority of my pastoral meetings that I have revolve around a person telling me that they're struggling to hear God speaking in their lives. And without being flippant, I'll generally ask them the question, does your life resemble an earthquake? Because if the answer is yes, then it's fairly likely you'll be so distracted that you can't hear God speaking in the gentle whisper. So after we say thanks, it's important to wait on God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Waiting and listening is so countercultural to the way we run our lives, but the more, yet, yet I find that the more time I spend listening to God, the more in tune I can get to hearing His voice. The reality is, if you spend no time listening to God, how will you recognize His voice? Jesus said to His religious leaders in John 10 27, He said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. My challenge for this one is to put away the distractions. I haven't got my phone with me. If you pray with your phone in your hand, put it away. Put it away. You will only get distracted. My challenge is to put away the distractions and to give God the credit for this. For the fact that he has more important things to say to you than you have to say to him. Third one is this. And I write this one in trepidation. Confess. 
after we've thanked God and then we've spent time listening to God, it's about confessing. And I spent some time recently chatting with some other pastors at a, a breakfast forum, and I heard a comment from a Catholic uh, priest, which was, which was quite enlightening, in which he said this. He said, the reason that there was and is a misunderstanding with confession is that it was seen as almost a license to confess what you did wrong, wipe it clean, and go and do it again. We can get caught up with the connotations of the word confession and what it really means. But ultimately, to confess our sins is to agree with God that we are out of step with his desires. And sometimes that can hurt us a little bit. And furthermore, it's to acknowledge that our intention of abandoning that sin in order to follow God more faithfully. Notice I didn't say perfectly. You see, I find that this can be the hardest part of the prayer formula. And I call these ones the look in the mirror prayers. Because at times we can look in the mirror and if we don't like what we see, we walk away. Well, let me tell you this. When you walk away, it's still there. You're just not looking at it anymore. You can walk away and pretend it's gone. And it was only in the mirror. Was there another like, thing about looking in a mirror? What was that, Sleeping Beauty or someone? Anyway. Someone looked in a mirror, didn't they? Who was it? Moving on. I'm applying for kids' ministry next week. You know, we can walk away from the mirror and we think that that's our confession is done. You know, what we have to do is we look in the mirror and say, God, forgive me for the sins that I have done. In Psalm 32, we read where David, King David, had been avoiding the mirror. Until he gets to a point and then he says this, Psalm 32, he says, Finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. The Bible says if we are faithfully to confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. But if we choose to keep it hidden, then we only fool ourselves. My challenge on this one is if you don't like what you see in the mirror, then ask God to help you to do something about it. Next one. They never make these big enough, do they? Like tall enough. Intercede. Intercede. This is your gift to other people. Notice the pattern we're doing here. We're thanking God. We're waiting on God to speak to us. We're confessing our own sins. And now we're interceding for others. This is your gift to other people. Do you know, often you will pray for someone when they can't pray for themselves. In Job 1, we read where Job interceded for his kids just in case. They hadn't done anything wrong. 
But Job's concern for his family was so deep that he desired them to cover them in protection. Who, as a parent here, is declaring and interceding for your children, not when they do something wrong, but every day when we wake up? Declare for your children. Declare over your spouse. Declare over your friendships. Declare over your boss. God forbid, declare over your church leaders. We need to intercede for other people. We need to think of other people. We need to to tell, hey, I am praying for you. This is what I call the you prayers. It's nothing to do with me. It's all about you. I often refer to this section also as the gritty prayers. Because I find that if you're serious about interceding for others, then you will find that God will drop people on you that you may not even like. And then try praying for them. Try praying for the people in your life that God keeps dropping on you and you don't even like them. Matthew 5, says this though. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. The message translation says this. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. Before every meeting I have, I pray a short prayer for myself that I'll have wisdom in the words I say. And I pray, sometimes with gritted teeth, for the person I'm about to have a meeting with. Even knowing that when I'm having a meeting with them, they want to string me to a pole and run me out of town. Declare God's goodness over their life. You see, because I I find that as I pray for them, God softens my heart as I've interceded for them. My challenge is this one. And it's based on a terrible, well, it's not a terrible passage, based on a very challenging passage found in Ezekiel 22. In Ezekiel 22, we read of a heartbreaking passage where God was looking for someone, just someone to stand in the gap. God said, will there be one person to stand in the gap? Yet he could find not one. Not one person. No one wanted to intercede on behalf of others. So my challenge is that we are to intercede on behalf of those who can't pray for themselves. My next one is petition. Petition. Was it those stupid little seagulls in Finding Nemo that went, mine, 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 mine? Was it them? I got it right. There you go. These are your Nemo prayers. This is your chance to say, mine, 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 mine. This is a chance to get out your shopping list. Why? Because you've already thanked God. You've waited on Him. You've confessed your sins. You've interceded for others. Now it's time to get out the shopping list. However, I want to give you a little secret. It might be a little bit deflating for some. Nothing you have to say to God is breaking news. 
but he still wants to talk it over with you. Here are some tips for when you're petitioning God. Take the approach of asking God, what has he declared over my life? And then put a down payment on it in prayer. Pay in advance. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray, he said, you you need to pray to your Father in heaven. What? He said that your will be done. This is not about petitioning God for the new Mercedes, but more like, God, what do you have for me? Equip me, empower me, resource me in order that I may glorify you. We've all heard of the Lord's Prayer. Well, it's a few words that Jesus shared before the Lord's Prayer that are relevant in this part of the prayer formula. And I'm taking it out of the message translation. It's in Matthew 6. And it says, and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All of these people make a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from where? From you to God. And you will begin to sense his graces. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for what? For getting what you want from God. This was a warning that Jesus gave to the disciples. My challenge in this section is to pray, God, I will accept what you are doing in and through me, knowing that you desire for me to prosper and glorify you. These ones are self. And the final one is this. I just call them the thank you prayers. And I'll get the guys back up. In January 1992, I boarded a plane for a two-month tour of the Philippines where I had been uh, selected to play basketball in a representative team and to also share the gospel on a missions trip type thing. I was an 18-year-old kid. I'd just finished school. I didn't get into university. I was committed to my basketball. I'd never been overseas before. I'd never been part of a representative sporting squad. I'd never shared my testimony outside of a youth group setting. I was away from home, and to be honest, I was absolutely petrified. I remember meeting with my youth leader before I went, and I was hoping for some, some gems of inspiration that would, that would carry me through. It was a day before a training camp, which started on Boxing Day. It was a five-day training camp. I was the youngest player ever chosen. I knew I was up against it. And as I sat there waiting, talking to this youth pastor, to thinking, just give me this inspiration of how I'm going to do this. He sat down. He slipped me a piece of paper. And then he got up and left again. Like, that's not what I was expecting. Didn't say a word. 
had this piece of paper just sitting in front of me. To be honest, I was a little bit heartbroken. I put my faith and trust in this youth pastor. Here I was facing the biggest challenge of my life up until this date. I was petrified about even getting on a plane. I was petrified that I wasn't good enough. I was petrified that I'm going to look like a fool. I was angry with myself because I didn't get into university. I didn't apply myself well enough. And here's my youth pastor. I'd idolized him. All he does is gives me a slip of paper and walks off. He didn't even sit down. After I had my little temper tantrum, I opened the piece of paper and it said this. Follow this and you'll be okay. And then the scripture reference to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Which says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I was slightly disappointed that I didn't get some amazing words of wisdom, but what I've got has carried me through for the last 25 years of my life. You see, no matter the translation, the words carry the same weight. The message translation says this, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. The Amplified says this, Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. In every situation, no matter the circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And I think, what is my absolute favorite? The Passion Translation says this, let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. not clever just says we must we must continually give thanks to God and make our lives a prayer as Claire said before we're going to finish with two more baptisms two men who are publicly declaring that they are thankful for what Jesus did on the cross you see because the last point here is to give thanks the last point here is to say thank you. You've already worshipped God up here. You've already thanked Him. But this one here, 
is about saying, thank you, God, for sending your son to die on the cross in order that I might be set free. This one is about saying, thank you, God, that you care enough for me, that you would sacrifice your son That when I give my life to you, I don't need to be perfect, but I'm on a journey with you. These two men who are going to get baptized in just a moment, and they can can come down the front here, Phil and Gus. And those around them, if your family want to come as well. You see, but before we baptize Phil and Gus, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. Just right where you are, just as the family are coming. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, the rest of you. Because I'm going to pray, interceding on behalf of our Heavenly Father, for those here today who want to start that conversation journey with our Heavenly Father. Or maybe you've started a journey, but you want to re-engage in that relationship with Jesus. So just as all eyes are closed, I'm not going to delay this time. But if God has been speaking to you today and you realize that your relationship has been off track, you realize that you haven't been praying to God because you've forgotten who God is in your life and you want to get it right. I'm going to ask you right where you are to just simply raise your hand. Our prayer team will see it because they would love to pray with you after the service. Just raise your hand just in this moment. I'm not going to ask you to do anything more. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. We would just love to pray with you. If that's you of today. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.